Hello, and welcome to Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow, the talent transformation expert for organizations seeking eight-figure growth. We work with those organizations to break through revenue ceilings and realize the business growth that their companies are capable of when they get their people firing on all cylinders. We believe that every business person has a unique voice and a unique angle that makes their business successful. And those are the kinds of movers and shakers that we interview on the show. So stick around to the end of the show and we'll reveal how you could be our next guest in about 30 minutes. So let's jump right in. Well, hello and welcome to another version of Transforming Talent. I'm your host, Ed Crow. In Transforming Talent, we talk to current business owners and executives who are doing really cool things with people management practices in their businesses. And I'm so pleased today to welcome a longtime friend and longtime business associate, Tom Malesic, president of Easy Solution. Tom, welcome to the show today. Hey, Ed. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. So, so Tom, tell our listeners a little bit about Easy Solution and, and what you do for your customers. Sure. Uh, Easy Solution does two things. Uh, first, we're a digital marketing agency. So we build websites, we do search engine optimization, Google ads, Facebook marketing, those kind of things. And then second, we're a technology company. So we support uh, small businesses that have between uh, 10 and 100 people in them with their IT infrastructure. So when they have an IT problem, they call my help desk and we help them solve whatever technology they have. That's, you know, that's so cool because you, know, you and I go way back, I think um, probably like 20 some years or something. Uh, you you built my first, very first website and, and um, marketed it for me. And we got such great results out of that. And it's amazing to me how you've grown over those last 20 years. And what's, what's amazing is not only the growth, but that some of the same people I worked with back then are still with you. Yeah. So what's, what's your magic sauce? What, Tell me a little bit about or tell our listeners about because I know the history, but I know <laughs> you started with a laptop and a loan from your mom. <laughs> and now you're an internet mogul. So well, I don't know about the mogul part, but internet part anyway. Talk to us about that journey and the role that your people have played in it. Yeah, that's that's a great question. So um, you know, first it was just uh me and my spare bedroom, my laptop, and a little portable scanner, right? Um, and my dog. Uh, building websites. And um, I quickly figured out that I couldn't build websites and sell websites kind of at the same time. I was getting too busy. So I hired a guy part-time mm-hmm. and um, I was running I was running one office out of a local attorney's office. Mm-hmm. So I would schedule my appointments and Fred's time um, because I only had enough money for one computer. So while he was programming, I was out selling. Um, it, you know, it seems silly now, you know, um, but, uh, you know, on a shoestring budget, you know, you didn't have a lot of cash. So I just, uh, leveraged that one computer in my little office space. Um, and then, uh, uh, Fred's retired, uh, now, but my second employee, uh, she still is here. Heather's still here. So, um, yeah, it's, that's 21 years, I believe she's coming up on. So, uh, and I'm coming up on 25 years of business here. It, it's amazing. Um, you know, I remember meeting you at a, at a chamber function 
Um, and it was, you know, probably a year into my business. And it was at the point where it was, hey, need, need a website here, need to get legit. And, and that's how we've gotten connected. And, you know, obviously, we spent time on the golf course and, and hung yeah. out outside of all that. And, and, you know, I'm, what I'm continually impressed with is how high quality the people are that I've interacted with at your firm. So when you look at, at your attraction, and I do know you're picky, you and I've had a lot of chats over the years that you don't settle for a body and a seat. Yeah. And so, so talk about why that is so important for the culture at EZS. So I've tried that before. So it's like, oh, well, you have the skills. Great. You're hired. Mm -hmm. um, and really just over the years, I've figured out that if they're not the right person for the company, it doesn't matter how good their skills are. Um, so we really put a lot of emphasis on culture. And really over the last well, the last three years specifically, um, we literally hire off of culture. Mm -hmm. um, so if, if you're not easy to work with, happy to help, if you're not a lifetime learner, if you're not fun and welcoming and you don't have the value of let's get it, like, let's get it done, but let's get it done right. Mm -hmm. Like I just, you're just not going to be a fit, right? So if you're an old grumpy curmudgeon, you're going to hate it here. So I view it as much in the hiring process as we need that person to be a right fit for us, but, but they need to feel like this is their home. And, and when it's, when those things don't match, then they're just as unhappy as we are. So there's no sense torturing both of us. So. Yeah. Yeah. And we hear so much lip service today being given to culture. Like people say culture is so important, right? And they'll say people are their most important asset, but they don't connect the two. And I feel like you have. How have you it's done it? How hard. have you figured that out? It's really hard. <laughs> and that's why people, that's why people give lip service to it. Mm -hmm. And because it's, well, what do you do? Right. So we've all heard, you know, Vern Harnish's, you know, get the right people on the bus and the right, you know, sitting in the right seat. All right. So like, great. Thanks for the platitude. What does that mean? Yeah. And so we went through a pretty involved process of really selecting our core values um, and, and making sure that the people we had right now met our core values. And I'll be honest, when we created our core values, um, not everybody met those core values. Sure. And um, so some of those people, they, they're not here anymore um, because it's so important to us. Um, and then we reward off of our core values. So um, for the last year, we've had an easy to work with, happy to help weekly award. Okay. So Ed, you'd be this week's person and you would find, you would tell us in the Monday company meeting who you selected as the, as the most easiest to work with and happy to help. And then nice. they get a $25 Amazon gift card. Nice. So, and then that, then, then we'd have a next person that, that was that. So we've, we've gone through a whole year of that. And uh, starting in January, we're, we're switching it to get it done right. So ah, it's, okay. it's how do we then make sure that we're reinforcing the core value and the belief and what we're valuing. Um, another piece was um, really getting better on expectations, right? So as a manager, you have expectations of what that person should be doing or behaving, right? right. And um, sometimes it's really hard to articulate what those expectations are. And if the manager's expectations and the employee's expectations aren't the same, and the employee has no idea what the expectation is, like now they're frustrated with the manager. Yep. Like, 
well, yep. you're just a crappy manager. And the truth is, well, you probably are. Crappy they are, yeah. <laughs> articulate the expectations. Um, uh, so that was, um, we've really worked on that recently as well. And then pulling in the whole team in terms of uh, what's the annual, what's the annual goal? So not necessarily a financial goal, but what are we trying to accomplish this year? I feel this year in particular, we've done an outstanding job in communicating what those annual goals were and getting their feedback into them. So um, our annual goal this year was invest in the team. And our second goal was get better client results. So I meet with every team member every quarter to say, how are we doing and what else should we be doing, right? So some people have a lot more things to say than others, but sure. everybody has their input into how they want to influence what we're doing and how we're doing things. Um, so that that's something we've been we've been doing. So in fact, next week is my whole week of talking to team members on Zoom or actually on Teams yeah, and yeah. Uh, you know getting their feedback. So I find it interesting that that your recognition program truly is peer to peer. So yes. as you said, if, if, if I'm the the uh, person who was recognized this week, then it's my duty to seek out someone to recognize the following week. That's correct. And I've had other clients that, that have success with that. And when I talk to people about it, oftentimes I'll get pushback and they'll say, Ed, how do you ensure that people don't game the system? That it's, well, you pick, you know, pick me next week, pick me next week. And my response is typically, if you've got the right culture in place, that just won't happen. Right. right. <laughs> so when you started this program, what was the initial reaction by your people and were you concerned about it? And if not, why? What was in place that you knew this would be fine as peer recognition? Um, I guess it didn't even occur to me that they would game the system. And if a couple people game the system, oh, oh well. Right. So I, I kind of view it as, um, you know, every time you implement something new in the business that you think, people are going to like, there's going to be at least one or two people that don't like it, right? Like we're never going to make everyone happy. True. Um, but this, this program, I didn't hear any negative feedback there. That doesn't mean there wasn't. But right, I didn't right. yeah. Um, yeah, people were pretty excited about it. And they, and we've been reinforcing easy to work with, happy to help for years. Mm -hmm. So this wasn't the first time we talked about it. And so if I heard you correctly, so that was that was the theme for 2021. And now you'll go with a new theme for 2022. Yeah. What are you putting in place to ensure that the 2021 theme stays on the radar, that it's not, well, that jelly of the, the year is over with. We don't have to worry about that. Yeah. Um, I, I think we've um, done easy to work with, happy to help so much that that is the number one core value that we have that is so embedded okay. into the um, I think the other thing that we're doing is when the manager meets with that employee on a quarterly basis for just their, their quarterly conversation. So these aren't full-blown reviews. These are just um, more informal. How are we doing? Let's talk about, let's talk about how you're doing, how you'd rate yourself on the core values, right? So, so Ed, they, they know the format. Um, so 
you'd go down and you'd give yourself a minus plus minus or a plus on the core values. And they rate themselves harder than the manager does. Absolutely. It just, you, as a manager, you think, Oh, there's no way they're going to give themselves all pluses. And I think they're a plus one. (laughs) No, they give themselves like a minus on the one you think they're a plus minus. Exactly. Um, So, so we agree on what the core values are and how they, how we think they're doing. Um, We talk about how they're doing against expectations um, that quite honestly, they have a role in defining. Um, so be, I think because we talk about those things, not just once a year, but that it's an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of our team will sign their email signatures with happy to help. Nice. Um, they know the, anachron- like, is it work with happy to help? We just take the first letter of every word and like, that we would type that out, right? They know it's a lot of letters, but yeah. (laughs) yeah. When we're in the office, there's signage um, throughout the building uh, with that. Um, Our core values are are in big posters as you come up the steps. Um, But a poster is one thing, but having them do it is another thing. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, you know, the old days, you know, you'd you'd walk into a, a manufacturing plant and you'd see, you know, safety is our number one priority on the wall. And meanwhile, you got people walking around without eyewear on and no hearing protection and all this other stuff. And it's, you know, take the dirty old thing down. You know, you're, you're not living it out, right? It's just, it's, it goes back to that lip service piece. That's right. Yeah, because that's, it's so hard. It, it I, I think culture is one of the hardest things, right? Because, you know, I read lots of books on culture, you know, lifetime learners, a core value. I read lots of books. Yeah. Um, and, you know, they would talk about, you know, how do you, how do you get people to have that, have those core values and um, that you have a company culture right now. It's just who's in control of the culture, mm-hmm. right? Is it haphazard and the business owner isn't trying to direct what's the atmosphere that you want to have? And it's, it's hard as a business owner to, to direct core values, especially when like, like we have to get a lot of stuff done. We live in a fast paced world, you know, like, so some of the business itself will fight against the core value, right? So you have to be aware of, you know, when am I not being easy to work with, right? Mm-hmm. And I'll get, the managers will get perceived sometimes as not being easy to work with because we still have to drive the business result, right? Right. Um, but it's so important that everybody's really on the same page. Well, and, and the, the concept of easy to work with doesn't necessarily mean, well, I'm a nice guy all the time, right? I mean, I'm, I still have to, to manage against deadlines and budgets, and I still have to hold you accountable. But the way in which I do that Correct. can make me easy to work with. And so that's, a, that's an interesting balancing act for your people, and it's a testament to how they approach it. Exactly. So you just, you mentioned something uh, before you mentioned about the the posters on the wall kind of thing. You said (laughs) when we were in the office. Now, now I happen to know that, that obviously since um, the the pandemic and, and you have found in some cases that you have been more productive with a dispersed workforce. You know, we've heard, you know, we're, we're filming this in, in late 2021 now. And you've got some businesses that have said, hey, we're better together. Let's all get back in the office. Let's, let's get things, quote, back to normal, right? Right. You have been a little slower to, to make a mandate like that because you found some pluses to the 
remoting of your workforce. Can you talk about that? Yeah. Well, for starters, I can operate my my entire business can be remote. Yep. So I have the luxury Absolutely. of I don't have to be here. Other than Amazon and Dell and Ingram Micro need to be able to deliver things right. to us. <laughs> Other than that, I don't need an office. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so with that that caveat, but most of my team they'd rather work from home. Mm-hmm. Like it's it's their preference. So about a probably a year ago, we said, you know, we we're like, well, how about everybody comes back in on Mondays? And they're like, oh, that's a great idea. It'd be so great to see everybody. And for like two Mondays, I had maybe half the team came in on Mondays. And now pretty much only my managers come in on Mondays. Um, <laughs> or, or people who wanted to come in, but even like the Monday company meeting, um, we do it on Zoom, even if there are five or six people in the office, because it's easier to run the meeting when you can see everyone. Yep. Yep. But they've done, look, and never, never in a million years, if you said to me, Tom, what you're going to do tomorrow is you're going to send everyone home and they're all going to work from home and they're going to be amazing at it. Be like, Ed, you are full of it. There is no way that's going to work. They're not going to work. They're going to clean their house. They're going to do other things. Their kids are going to distract them. Like they're not going to get stuff done because pre-pandemic, when somebody said, Tom, I want to work from home, they would follow that up with, and I'm having a dinner party tonight and I'd like to be able to clean my house. Okay, so you want to be home, but you don't want to work from right, home. Right. That's called right. PTO. <laughs> right, right. So, so since like, like they literally couple those kind of sentences together for me, I'm like, yeah, you're not really working, are you? Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not what happened. Like once we got through some of the technology barriers, right? Everybody had a camera, everybody had a mic, everybody had a headset, like um, everybody's had a office home computer, Mm -hmm. right? Not just their home, home computer remote office. And that took time, right? To get everybody technology wise ready to do that. Mm -hmm. But they are so productive. Um, They're, they're happy doing it. You know, it'll be interesting when, when this is further along, you know, do we go back or do people say like, look, I just never want to come back. This is working out great for me. I save on gas. I save on lunch. I have no travel time. Like there are significant advantages. Absolutely. And we already have a flexible workplace. So like if, um, if somebody needs to pick up their kid from school at three o'clock, like, I don't care, pick up your kid. Like you, you want to go to a after school soccer game, uh, for two hours, I don't care. Get your work done. You get forty hours, and I don't really care when you do it. Right. Um, so uh, it it has been amazing, <laughs> absolutely amazing. And and how has how has that reinforced the culture that that you have? I mean, you know, one of the things that business owners that I talk to that they worry about is, well we've got this culture we're trying to reinforce and now we send everybody home. How do we ensure that with not everyone being together that we can maintain the culture we want? Yeah. So we have a a weekly company meeting um, that's anywhere between 15 minutes an hour, depending on what we have going on. And then every team has their own meeting um, where, where they meet once a week. And generally the manager meeting is an hour and a half, but most team meetings are half an hour to an hour. Maybe if they really have stuff, it might go an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, 
but they have time together and they see each other and they teams call each other, video call each other at a, you know, it's no different than walking down the hall anymore. I just <laughs> hit the video button and Jim magically appears on the screen. He solves my problem or I talk to him and I hang up. Yep. Um, I think because of the technology, it's really enabled people to, to connect. It's not the same, but it's, it's still that connection. And then um, we do a couple times a month, we do game day. So we'll take an hour and we'll play online video games. And some of them are drawing or word games. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so they do those types of things um, to try to help with that connection. But the nice part really for me is that we have now hired people that don't live local. Yep. So I, I have somebody in Georgia, I have somebody in Virginia, uh, I had somebody in Washington state, like it, it no longer matters where you live. Right. So that's opened up the workforce. Mm-hmm. Up to, Absolutely. Um, in a way that I wouldn't have done that before. Yeah. And how do you, you know, when you, when you look at hiring people outside of the, the central Pennsylvania market that you and I are in, what's your philosophy on their pay schedule? So you know, you got someone who's in Virginia, maybe in the D.C. market, that's clearly different than the central Pennsylvania market. How do you adapt or do you adapt that? I don't adapt. Okay. So so in other words, I know what my cost structure is to deliver the service mm-hmm. and I have to stay within my cost structure. Sure. So I, I haven't I, I think big companies, right, like Amazon and Google and Facebook mm-hmm. that have these worldwide workforces, I, I understand how they have the ability to adapt because they've already adapted to having multiple location physical offices that they've already made that sure um, adaptation. I just, as a small business owner, I just don't have that luxury. Yeah. Yeah. So when you recruit and, and you put an ad out nationally, let's say now, and you say, I, I need a, a web developer, um, and you know that regardless then of where they're residing, here is the budget for that position. That's right. Okay. All right. Um, and there are a lot of different views on that, obviously. Like, do I pay, you know, if they're in the Atlanta market, do I up that a percentage based on because they're in Atlanta and covering their cost of living down there? Some people say, yeah. And some people are in your boat where they say, well, you know, wait a minute, that's my budget for the job. And, you know, right. I don't know that there's a right answer other than what's the right answer for your company. That's correct. And, um, you know, so I think that I've been intrigued by a number of the things that, that we've talked about so far, because there are things that that I'm hearing on a daily basis. Um, I've got I've got a, a CEO of an insurance company that is just struggling right now. And for the most part, they could be almost totally remote. You know, they need a few people in-house printing stuff and they need someone there to get packages. Right. But a lot of what they do could be done remote. And the, the president, he's, he's kind of perplexed because on one hand, a recent culture survey, the people said, we're, we're losing our family culture. We're not as tight as we used to be because they've grown. And so he says, well, if we want that, then we got to all come back together. But then the people are saying, yeah, but we want to stay remote. And so he's like, I, I don't know. I feel like I'm serving two masters there. I mean, what kind of advice would you give to, to someone in that situation? I don't know that the culture changed because of remote. I think the culture changed because he grew. Mm-hmm. Right? Absolutely. So when, when I had a 10 person company, it was much more family 
than it is at 25. And at one point I was up to 45 mm-hmm. employees. And I think as you grow, some of that changes. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know that it's necessarily the remote thing. Sometimes I think it's the trust thing, mm-hmm. right? So in the past, I would have said, I'm not sure I trust you to work from home because you just told me you're going to clean your house. <laughs> right. Um, so, but now I, I completely trust them mm-hmm. to get their job done. They have shown me day after day that they are insanely productive, that they're available when I call or their manager calls. Um, so I, I think making that fundamental mental switch. Mm-hmm. And I think the other thing that happened is because at the beginning of the pandemic, so many of their friends lost their jobs and they didn't. Right. So there was there was a level of appreciation for our ability to make that transition rapidly so that they were productive at home and that technology wasn't their headache or obstacle that they had. And what would it say about a tech firm who couldn't deliver on that? Right. So, (laughs) yeah, that's that's true, too. Um, So. You mentioned that you have uh, on occasion sort of game night, if you will, with your team. What are some of the other things that you do that help to foster that team-based environment, especially in the age of a lot of people working remote and having uh, people that are, are not geographically adjacent to you? Yeah, so we had, uh, we had our, our Thanksgiving day party, right? So, so during that, um, ahead of time, everybody was sent a box of crayons. Okay. And, and during the meeting, they all made hand turkey drawings, and then we voted on best drawing, worst drawing, and then there were prizes. Oh, cool. Um, uh, we had a trick-or-treat thing. We did an Easter egg hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, that, so we try to do bizarre little things mm-hmm. throughout the year um, that help that help with that, that core value of fun and work mm-hmm. um, and that team building. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think fundamentally, you can have all that fun party stuff, but if you're not every week helping remove their obstacles and solve their problems in a meaningful way, no matter how much fun stuff you do, it just won't matter. Right. Right. There, there's a difference. People often uh, think that employee engagement um, is a corollary to driving results. And I like to tell folks, no, engagement just means your people are happy. Doesn't necessarily mean they're committed to your results. You can have lots of happy people running around who you're, you're overpaying and not holding accountable and they're not doing anything for you, right? I'd be real happy in that environment. So right. um, you know, there, there's a difference between providing people with an, a, a true work experience that they want yes. and making them happy. If we go for the work experience, the happiness should automatically follow. And it sounds like that's what you're delivering on is this experience of what it means to be an easy solution employee. Yeah. And, and it's hard, mm-hmm. right? Because what it means for each person is slightly different. And the relationship they have with their manager is so integral to how they feel about work. Um, what do you think is the connection between keeping your people satisfied, engaged, and happy in their work experience and how that is supporting your clients and the growth of easy solution. 
Say that again. So a lot of business owners look at the, quote, happy things that we do as overhead. I view them as an investment in giving our people the work experience they want, which puts them in a position to be successful for our customers. And, and I believe that you have done the right things to put your people in that position. So what have you been seeing as the result of that with maybe it's customer retention, growth, or, or, or whatever other measurable you might want to share? Yeah, we've definitely seen an increase in customer retention. Um, and the team has uh, regular meetings that they call uh, continu continuous improvement meetings, I think is what okay. they call. And um, so they need to say, what should we be looking at? What things should we be changing? Let's look at, let's take these 10 customers and look at, at these specific results that we're measuring. And they're doing split testing and where they're figuring out how do they get a better end result. Um, so I think the engagement and the, the way they get to think through things and that they are participating versus everything just being dictated to them mm -hmm. helps in that process. Um, so I think the more they're committed to supporting the customer and they're committed to their own career growth, the happier a team member they are. Yeah. And, and that comes back to the, uh, core values that we started off, you know, at the, at the top of the show talking about. So, you know, really the, the theme that I'm hearing as, as we're, we're coming up uh, against our time here is that the investment that you've made in your culture is paying off for your people. Your people are more satisfied in, in what they're doing. They're more productive and committed, which turns around and leads to a, a more satisfied customer who's willing to maybe ride through some bumps every now and then because they know that you're committed to them. Sure. And that, that's really, we, you know, we call that the, the human capital value chain, you know, is, is really what it comes down to. And, and for, for me, I, you know, I get goosebumps when I hear business owners talking about making that connection because so many will say they'll put their customer first. And, and I, I kind of want to bang my head against the wall and say, no, it's, you can't, it's right? Not. It's yeah. not. As, as much as as much as the business owner in me wants to say the customer is number one, the employee is number one mm -hmm. because it's the employee that takes care of the customer. So as as an indirect benefit, the customer becomes number one, but that's not where it starts. Absolutely. And Absolutely. if you're not willing to invest in that employee's education and training and um commitment to the company, you're just not, in my mind, you're just not going to get there. Right. And it takes a large level of commitment to be able to follow through on that um, versus, yeah, take this class. That's fine. But, and, and I think in the past we had done more haphazard training mm -hmm. or unintentional core values. And now that we have such a strong commitment to an entire process of how we're going to achieve those results. Um, we're really seeing that. That's awesome. So I, I'd like to, to wrap up with giving you an opportunity to, to share with our listeners what, what makes a good client for you. And if they want to learn more about Easy Solution and your offerings, where do they go? What do they do? Yeah. So a good client on the digital marketing side is really any small business that wants to grow. So if, if you're looking at your business and saying, well, I, I have a website, I may or not be happy with it, but it's really not 
generating a return, that's a great, great customer for us because we can do anything from a basic site to a really complicated e-commerce platform. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and they can be located anywhere in the United States. So that's a great customer sure. for us. So it's really that, it's that small to mid-sized business. We don't, you know, we're not equipped to work with uh, Fortune 500 companies. Sure. Uh, we like working with the business owner, right? Mm-hmm. That's, that's who we normally interact with. Okay. Um, on the IT side, they really need to be local to us. So we like to be able to go to them to meet with their team and do work on site as well. Um, probably 15% of our work is done on site at this point. So they need to be that small business that's located within an hour of our office. Sure. Uh, so that's, that's who a great customer there is. And, you know, they're going to have some level of technology needs for the most part. Um, most of the stuff's in the cloud at this point from an infrastructure standpoint. Um, if somebody has an extra security need, that's great for us, right? How do you, how do you prevent cyber crime? Um, how do you lock down your machines? Are you doing two-factor authentication? How are you backing up your files so that when you get crypto locker, um, you can get everything back and not pay the ransom? Yeah. Um, those are those are great, great customers for us. Okay. And and where does the listener go to learn more about the company? Yeah, so go to easysolution.com. So it's the letter E, the letter Z, solution, singular.com. So easysolution.com. And from there you can get to both. Easy computer solutions and easy marketing. Excellent, excellent. Well, Tom, um, we we could have gone on for a lot longer. Um, there's certainly a lot of other things that uh, I would love to to discuss with you, and and we'll probably end up having you back again at some point in the future because I know every time you and I share time on the golf course and, and we chat, um, I, I admire what you've done with your company and your commitment to developing culture. I mean, every time we have a discussion, culture is, has, has been for many, many years at the yeah. center of that discussion. And uh, you're showing that you can have a good culture, one that supports the business, supports the employees and supports the customers. And, and really that, that's the magic in, in having a good culture. Correct. Um, and so, so I commend you for that. Oh, thank you so much. So Thanks again for listening uh, to Transforming Talent. Our guest today was Tom Molesic, president of Easy Solution. If you want to get a hold of Tom and, and chat more about the cool things he's doing, you can go to ezsolution.com. That's the letter E, the letter Z, solution.com. They are an excellent firm, longtime friend, longtime customer. Uh, so I'm coming at a, at a place of, of knowledge on this one. If you fit the parameters Tom shared, I I truly encourage you to go check out his website, talk with his team, guarantee you won't be disappointed. Thanks again for listening. Stay tuned for another podcast coming up real soon. Take care, everyone. Hey, Ed Crow here. Thank you so much for listening to today's segment of Transforming Talent. If you're a business owner or executive, of a business that's on a revenue freight train that you're not sure how to control, or maybe you're butting up against a revenue ceiling that you don't know how to break through, we'd love to have you on this program. Please visit my website at edcrow.com slash speaking slash podcast to apply. Now for our listeners out there, if you got something out of this interview and you'd love to share it on social media, please go ahead and do so. Just do a quick screenshot with your phone, text it to a friend, and post it on the socials. If you know someone that would be a great guest, tag them on social media to let them know about the show. 
and include the hashtag TransformingTalent. I love seeing your posts and guest suggestions. We're rarely putting out new episodes and content. To make sure you don't miss any episodes, go ahead and subscribe. Your thumbs up, ratings, and reviews go a long way to help promote the show and mean a lot to me and my team. If you want to know more, go to my website, edcrow.com, or you can follow me on LinkedIn, Twitter, or Facebook. Thanks for listening. We'll see you again next time.